Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 19 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. It's been a while, right? Uh, I miss you guys. Uh, you know, I've been just very busy with work, been cutting on a new show and just getting through dailies at the moment, trying to deliver this editor's cut. You know how it goes. But I'm here doing another episode because I love you guys and I want to keep providing some informative content. I want to keep providing these interviews and want you to hear stories from very successful post-production professionals. And I'm very excited about my guest today. Editor Dean Gonzalez is here and I'm really looking forward to talking to him about all the cool projects he's cut. I mean, he's worked with some of my favorite bands and other creative artists that I admire, but he's also made a journey from commercials to music videos to feature films. So I want to hear how he's been able to maneuver a varied editing career. So definitely want to hear all about that and also about his most recent project, the documentary What Drives Us, which tells the stories of some of the biggest artists in music like U2's The Edge, ACDC's Brian Johnson, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, St. Vincent, Ringo Starr, and many, many more, recalling the romance and adventure as well as the idiocy and chaos of their time on the road in a van. These legendary artists did what they needed to do to follow their dreams, so we're going to connect that idea with our own careers as editors. Before we get to our interview, just want to remind you to sign up for the Hollywood Editing Mentor community by visiting hollywoodeditingmentor.com community. You'll get access to my private Facebook group where I host live question and answer sessions and networking events. This is where I make myself available to you so you can ask questions and meet other members of this awesome community. So sign up today. It's free at hollywoodeditingmentor.com community. All right, so I have editor Dean Gonzalez on the show today who was born and raised in Chicago and moved to Los Angeles in 1992 to begin an editing career. During this time, he established himself as a versatile editor working with music video artists like Aerosmith, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nas, LL Cool J, Kid Rock, Nicki Minaj, and commercial clients such as Reebok, Nike, Bose, J. Crew, and Michelob Ultra. In 2010, Dean joined 30 Seconds to Mars on tour in North America to edit the music video for Closer to the Edge, and the following year he cut the music video This Is War while touring with the band in Europe. Dean has also worked on feature films and documentaries, including What Drives Us, directed by Dave Grohl, and now available on the Coda Collection. So today we're going to talk about this awesome documentary, how editors can have a successful career working on a variety of projects, how to avoid being pigeonholed, why it's okay to suck to succeed, how to learn to trust ourselves, Dean's strategy for cutting music videos and documentaries, and how he used DaVinci Resolve to edit What Drives Us. Lots of cool stories, career advice, and technical tips in this one. So here we go, guys, with episode 19 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with editor Dean Gonzalez. Very excited to have here editor Dean Gonzalez on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Dean, what's going on, man? Uh, glad to have you here. It is great to finally meet you, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's it's uh, 
we've talked off and on, you know, here and there before, you know, any, any, before you started your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's really awesome to, uh, you know, be on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, it's great having you here, man, because I've been really wanting to get to know you more, more about your career and all the cool stuff you worked on. You've cut some amazing projects uh, for some of my favorite bands. So I definitely want to hear more about that. I'm sure you have some great stories, uh, but I also want to hear about your most recent project, the documentary, What Drives Us. Congratulations, man, on some amazing work. I enjoyed this documentary for many reasons. Obviously, uh, it features many great interviews with some legendary artists talking about the earlier days in their career when they would pack themselves in a van and go on tour across the country. Yep, yep. So this documentary explores that idea, what drove them to do this. And it's a question that any artist can ask themselves, including us as editors, what drives us to do what we love? Because it can be a grind. It's definitely not easy. But we put up with these challenges because in the end, we want to follow our dreams. So one of the reasons why I connected with this documentary. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Yeah, no, there's definitely uh, correlations with anyone who's an artist, I think, can connect to that, to this film. Definitely. And I, I certainly did. I, so I have a lot of questions about it. But I want to start off by getting to know how you not only developed an interest in editing, but also music and how you eventually combined those two things. Well, when I was a kid, I grew up in Chicago. And like my best friend was a musician, like, you know, he had a band and like I, I played drums, um, but I was never good enough. <laughs> I just all my other friends, I was just like, wow, they're really good. And, you know, it's fun. I played in bands, but like I never knew what I wanted to do. Um, I wrote, you know, and then I always watched movies. I was a hu- I'm a huge horror fan fan and love like samurai movies and you know all kinds of things and so i kind of it was always like splitting my time you know with playing music playing in bands and like you know i would also i started out doing special effects makeup um that's what i really thought i wanted to do i wanted to be in horror films and i wanted to do makeup and like tom savini was one of my idols and rick you know rick baker um and you know, so I, I, as I got older, I went to co- to Columbia College in Chicago, and it was funny because you know I think all of us, you know, whether you want to be a cameraman or what, I wanted to maybe be a director, right? And I was in the film department, and just the ego in some of those classes just really bummed me out. And I just, I just, you know, everyone's like, man, maybe the next David Lynch or what? I'm like, Ugh, no, you're not, you know, I just. And I don't know. I just got fed up. And so I moved to the television department because I just I just I don't know. I just couldn't handle all the like superstar egos that were in it for no reason. And I really kind of found my place there. Um, I kind of I paid my own way through school. So I had like so many jobs. I was like a waiter. I was a bike mechanic. I worked in the uh, the film cage in the television department. And that really introduced me to, I was a TA, the teacher's assistant. And so I got to work on all the professor's projects. And Columbia was the first uh, Midwest college to have AVID. And so I got to help, you know, whenever there was a problems, you know, especially they would overheat because we had like, I think it was like seven of them in one room, you know, and it was like a long time ago. So like, 
people come in, it's like computer's broken, you know, whatever. And I have to go in and fix it. And so I kind of learned a lot and I just really, I don't know. I just, it was just something that I don't want to say I found easy, but I, I connected to it. And I think what I've really realized is that music really helped me, especially drums um, because it's all rhythm and pacing, you know, then I didn't realize it. I didn't really still know what I wanted to do, but I moved to Los Angeles. Um, and one of my old roommates in Chicago worked for a uh, post house called Avenue edit. And they were based in Chicago and they had just opened up an office in Santa Monica and they did commercials and, you know, and some music videos and stuff. But so I asked if he could help me out and I, got a job there as an assistant and i then i don't know back then it was everybody was like oh man you got to be like an assistant for like seven years before you can become an editor you know you got to work your way up and i was an assistant for five editors and so i would run back and forth between all the rooms make sure everything is done and you know and it, it was full on like you know nine in the morning till it could be two in the morning you know whatever i kind of didn't care i was just like whatever it takes right and I, I was like, I want to move up quicker than seven years. And so I actually became an editor and got my own room in three years. Then I got an offer to do some music videos. And one of my mentors, this guy, Richard Cooperman, uh, an incredible, incredible editor had come on board to, he used to work at a place called Brass Knuckles. He was doing the coolest stuff I'd ever seen. I was just like, wow, I want to be like this guy. And so we became great friends and you know, I started learning a lot from him and through music videos. That's how I really honed my skills. You, you had to learn how to edit very fast. That really honed my skills into being able to crank out story and, you know, go through footage quickly to find the right moments and, and to feel the pace and the rhythm of things. And again, I think that's where drumming came into play is where I really like to play with off time edits where it's not just boom, boom, boom. You know, it's like, you want to find your way with, at least with the music, you know, and, and, and then that translates later into dialogue. You know, it's like, you want to find there's different rhythms and, and timings um, that I think only experience can really teach you, you know, and it's still, I learn every single day. And I mean, I got up to a point where I actually did six music videos in one week. I mean, I didn't go home. <laughs> Cranking them out. <laughs> I just, I got all the offers, you know, and they just call came up and I was like, I don't want to turn that one down. You know, it was like Mars Volta and like stereophonics and like, I'll never do that again. But I mean, I basically went home, got some pillows and blankets and went back to the office. I was like, I'll see you in a week. Cause I just, I knew, I literally, I think I slept maybe like two hours a day, but it was great. I mean, that's really what, what really shaped my my editing skills. Um, and I think that's one thing I am known for is getting vast amount of footage and be able to get through it fairly quickly. Um, you know, and, and I think there's pluses and minuses to that. It's like, I can get through it quickly, but you still need the time to craft the story. Right. Right. As we all know, it's like everything we do, like help shape you into who you become. And, and, um, but I've always had a foot that I always wanted to do films, you know, and, and it was hard at commercial shops because that's how you make your money is getting through commercials. You know, you got to just like keep cranking them out. And if you're on a film, they're like, well, I'm not making enough money off of you, you know, financially 
And, um, but I always made it part of my deal. Like, let me do one movie a year and I'll work off times, weekends, whatever it is, nights, you know what I mean? I always figured it out. And so I had uh, my first, and yeah, and you probably know this, and I think any editor, uh, I, I really wanted to get into features, but everybody was like, hey, what features have you cut? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, none. And so they're like, sorry, I can't help you. You know, and I was like, oh, God. But then finally, um, this one guy, I don't know if you know him. His name is Dan Mervish. Um, he's one of the co-founders of Slamdance and a uh, great director and a great friend of mine. And we had done projects here and there and um, smaller kind of short film things. And he offered me to edit his film Between Us with Tay Diggs, Melissa George, David Harbour. Um, and, you know, and it was just, I was absolutely like thrilled because it was also something I hadn't really worked with a lot was it was based on a Broadway play. And so it's a um, dialogue heavy movie. I mean, there was one scene that was, I believe it was 20 pages long. So that was an amazing experience to be able to edit, you know, a very dialogue heavy, you know, piece over a long period of time versus, you know, 30 second commercial or music video, you know, like, so kudos to him for sticking his neck out for me because there were people that didn't want me to do it, but he was like, Nope, this is my editor. And it was just great experience. I mean, you've worked on, you know, like I said, you know, music videos, uh, concert films, documentaries, you know, features say when you say moved on from one thing to the next, Was it was it challenging for you to say to adapt, say to maybe that a new uh, way of telling a story, say from you know, like I said, going from music videos to documentary to features, and also what what is uh, has been your is your approach though similar to those types of projects, or what is or does it differ between say the type of uh, work that you're doing? Well, I mean, I'll put it to you this way: like I, I used to have a producer that would get upset with me. And like I used the challenges I used to run into a lot was um, a lot of producers would be like, you kind of, they like to pigeonhole you right into what kind of editor you are. You're a car editor, you're a comedy guy, you're a doc guy, whatever. And I literally would have people be like, well, you do too many things. Like I, it's, it's just really difficult to sell you. And I was like, I'm a storyteller. That's what I do. Like that is what I love to do. I don't care if it's a golf spot, if it's a action film, you know, like you're trying to tell a story. So I think the challenge is up to you. You know, I, I always, <laughs> I just, I love doing whatever. If I think it's interesting, I'll do it. You know, like um, I did this movie called they, you know, and it's a beautiful film about, someone that decides to go through a, a gender change and total Euro art style film, very soft, very quiet. And that is so not, you know, like I have long hair and tattoos and like, I do a lot of rock videos and whatnot. So not what you would probably expect, but it, it was a beautiful experience. And it was, I love doing those kind of things. Jane Campion was the executive producer and, you know, we premiered at Cannes and like, I, I, I think it's up to the editor. Just keep trying, keep learning, keep, keep investing into your craft and your art. And um, there is, there is a point where it's like, you know, if you are, if you love action movies and like, like I learned 
I'm not a great action editor. That's a really hard, not really hard, but like that is a, that is a different craft by itself. You know, fight scenes. Like I did a music video where I cut this fight scene and the director recut it. And it was better. And I was like, Damn. <laughs> <sighs> you know? and like, I just learned, I'm just, that's not my thing. And, and like cutting super fast and all these things, like it's cool, but I preferred to let scenes build. And like, I like emotion. So that took a long time to figure out, you know what I mean? Like you got to keep trying different things. Um, there are different ways to tackle different styles, you know, music video. I usually, you know, with music videos, I would build all of, I would put all the performance pieces first. I build the selects, you know, uh, cut and I just watch every take and I lay all my selection into the timeline. And then I lay in the story. And then you do another pass of like trying to smooth things out, you know, whatever. But like for music videos, it's about the music, you know, it's about the artists and and there's politics involved. You know what I mean? Especially when it goes to like a uh, to the to the, the label and stuff. They're like, no, I want more of Diddy in this shot. You know, they're, they're, we need to have him. He's the, the center of this, you know, so we need to have and you learn that, you know, it's like you learn how to balance. The drummer doesn't get as much as a singer and the guitar player, you know. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, there's definitely differences, but I do believe every, uh, project has an organic, you know, life to it. Right. It's like the footage will lead you the way it needs to go. Like you kind of, you can, you can feel the way that the edit wants to be. I mean, like I'll say like when I, when I was working on this movie with Michael Shannon, what an incredible actor. Like one of my favorite things in the world I've ever got to cut with him because he would give you different takes, different ways. So he would let you lead you down a different path, but they were always edit well together. He's such a good actor that he really knows how to give you different options in the way he's speaking, but he knows he can't go too far. That's incredible. I mean, like that is an amazing actor and that comes from experience. And you know what I mean? Like he knows how to give you something, but not go too far until he'll say, all right, on this one, I'm going to go a little bit further, you know? And then like, but then sometimes it's hard because if you get the take where you're like, Oh, he slammed the dude against the wall. Well, the next scene needs to have that same intensity, you know, but somebody like him, he knows how to like the rhythm and the flow of the scene. Um, so that's incredible. That's incredible to be able. I feel really, really blessed that I was able to work with somebody like that. Like, you're just like, holy shit, this guy's incredible. Makes my job easy, but, but it's not easy because then you got, you know, 12 takes that are all incredible. Which one do you use? And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, every, everything has its own life. But I think if you come at it from a storyteller, you know, point of view, then I think you'll be fine. Certainly it is uh, in the end, like I said, we're just story, we're storytellers, right? We're telling a story, whether it be a 30 second spot or, or, or hour and a half film, right? It's like, we're still in the end. The end goal is to tell a story. Yeah. And it's funny. Like I've met feature editors that try to do commercials and they're like, this is ridiculous. 
Like I, you know, cause they're used to like being able to breathe and you know, whatnot. And they're just like, what? And you know, and then it's crazy. Cause you get like 30 people wanting to give you notes on a 30 second spot. <laughs> You're just like, Are you crazy? So, you know, you either dig it or you don't, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, movies are hard too with all the changes and, you know, and it's like, you got to just kind of figure out your own path. And I think that, 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 that is one thing that, you know, I, I, I love is that I was, I've been able to kind of maneuver through different projects, you know, I've done country videos, I've done rock videos, rap videos, you know, like it, it's, it's great to be given those chances, but I, it didn't come easy. You have to hustle every single day, you know, even, even now I'm done with my movie. I was up for another film. I didn't get it. I thought I got it. I thought I nailed it. And I went with somebody else. Totally cool. You know, but it's, it's a hustle every day, you know, and you can't stop, you know? So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a grind. I mean, and I think, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm already thinking about my, what's the next thing, right? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it's, it just, I don't think it ends. I mean, it just, it, that's the, that's the, 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 the life we, we lead as an editor, the freelance world. Yeah. And, and certainly, uh, we'll get into what certainly drives us to do this eventually in this conversation. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I want to kind of talk about a little bit about music videos because it was certainly something that I wanted to do. I mean, I, you know, I grew up, you know, it was eighties, nineties, uh, early two thousands were like my eras, great music videos, obviously at that time. And it's certainly something that I wanted to, to pursue. And I did, I did local bands and stuff like that. Um, but talk about like just maybe share some you know cool stories maybe some cool projects that you memorable projects maybe uh, music videos that you did. Well, let's see. I mean, yeah, I, I've man, I've been able to work with almost everybody I've I've wanted to work with. I got to work with Robert Plant. That was incredible. Uh, he came into my room. We were doing a music video for him and Allison Krauss, and uh, great record. And uh, he was so, the director was uh, Rocky Schneck, great, great director, photographer. And, you know, he was so gracious with his time. He would come in and sit there and he was incredible. He talked about Led Zeppelin with me for like four hours while I'm editing. I even asked him, I was like, you know, are you going to go on tour again? Are you going to do another record with Alison Krauss? And he was like, no, I'm a rocker. I come from the land of ice and snow. And I was like, did you just quote yourself? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is incredible. I'm like, done. This, yeah. I was like, this is an amazing moment. Of course, right? yeah. And, and it was so funny because they had other people there, you know, that wanted his autograph and whatnot. And so people were getting his autograph and, and, you know, when you're doing music videos or any project, especially with celebrities, my goal and what I was always taught is that, I like to make it like they're at home, you know, you want to, I don't want them ever to feel uncomfortable. I want them to just kick back. You know, you want a beer, have a beer, you want a soda, tea, whatever it is. Let's just kick it. We're hanging out. I want you to feel like you're just chilling with your friends and, you know, I want it to be the best experience you can have that day. And so like people are getting autographs and stuff and, you know, I get it, but I was like, Oh, I'm not, I don't, you know, I felt a little awkward about it, but like the director was like, I know you brought a Zeppelin record 
to have Robert sign. I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to do it. I'm like, it's cool. Like, no worries. And it was so sweet. Robert actually leaned over and he was like, mate, he's like, if anybody deserves an autograph, you do. And he's like, absolutely. I will sign that record for you. And he did. And he was, he just, it was an incredible moment, you know, to sit with somebody of that stature. Right. It was really fun. And I think, probably the craziest ones are like I got to work with 30 seconds to Mars and, and they had Jared had tried to work with me a couple of times and just schedules didn't work out. And, um, and then they had asked me to work on uh, closer to the edge. This music video is a live one and I had to go on tour with them. And so it was an American tour and I was like, yeah, man, you know, my schedule worked and like, it was, I was like, and they always did huge videos. And so, and a lot of the other editors at my shop had worked with them, Ken Mal, Lenny Messina, you know, we'd all done, and they had done, and we're all, I was always jealous. I was always like, God damn it. You guys did great job. And, you know, that was part of that camaraderie of working at a post house like that with these amazing music video editors, you know, you'd see them get a job and you're just like, damn it. I wanted that job, but I'm super thrilled you got to do it, you know, and it was my turn. And and I went on tour with them for three months in the United States and uh, it was incredible. And it, but it was so difficult because I was editing on my laptop and I was editing in Final Cut 7. And they had been shooting for like a year or so, maybe even two years. They were doing a documentary. And so we had all this old footage that they'd been old, but like, you know, older footage uh, that they've been doing. Plus they shot every single night. So we were, they had EX one footage, D one, D five, not transcoded. (laughs) And I was, and I was all combined into, so I was on a laptop with four, two terabyte drives traveling on a, on, they were really, I had my own tour bus. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> it was crazy. The band had their tour yeah. bus and then we had what they called the edit bus. Wow. So I had my own tour bus with two other assistants and it was so difficult. Like I was calling other like technical people I knew because I'm like, man, I'm, I was having such a hard time. I couldn't watch the foot. I couldn't watch the timeline. I could watch the footage and put in my, my pieces, but it wouldn't play down. I couldn't figure out how to get all this untranscoded footage to play at the time. And so like what I would do at night, I would just cut in all the pieces I really liked. And then like at night I would export it and watch <laughs> my, my edit with uh burning time code and make notes and then change it. And like, but it was such a difficult process and, and it kept crashing all the time. <laughs> And then we finally figured out what were the right you know, settings so that at least I could watch it. But it was a really hard job because, you know, I felt like every like, you know, time I'd see Jared outside the bus, he'd be like, crash again. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> just, you, you had that face. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just like, but it was also what an incredible opportunity. Oh, I, can't you know? imagine. Like, I mean, three months on the road with those guys, I got to see them play every single night. And, you know, that was my dinner break. Like I would wake up at like nine or 10 in the morning. I'd work all day. They would usually, you know, they'd go to, you know, Jared would sit with me and like, we would talk and, you know, figure out the shots that he liked. And 
And then he would have to go do rehearsals or whatever he had to do that day. And then he would do the show. When he did the show, that was my dinner break. <laughs> so then I would like sit there and I'd have dinner and watch the band and then go right back into the bus. And we'd usually edit till about two in the morning. And then he would get, then we would pull off to the side of the road and he would get off our, my bus and get onto his bus and go to bed. And we just did that every single day for like three months. And then they were awesome. And like, they asked me to come back out on the road in Europe. So then I, I did another three month tour with them in Europe. I think we did like 17 countries and I edited this video. This is war real heavy visual effects, uh, music video. I, I love the people that I've met throughout the journey. You know what I mean? And, uh, music videos have really made me who I, who I am, you know, I mean, I, I felt so privileged that I did this video called trail. Of, uh, and you'll know us by the trail of dead. It was this band kind of cool in the nineties, you know, it was that era. And, um, Mark Pellington, not sure if you know who he is, but, uh, he, his people messaged me and they loved the video and, I got to work. I didn't get to work with him at that point. Schedule wise, something happened. But many, many years later, we did a Kid Rock video together and he brought up that. And he was like, man, I remember seeing that video that you did. He goes, I loved it. You did such a great job. And he was like, I've always wanted to work with you. Like, I was like, what? Mark Pellington? Like, Jesus, what an incredible like. And he was so great. So fun to work with. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's you get a little bit of everything when you work in music videos, you know, I mean, you get to work with so many different characters. I spent three months with Rascal Flats, a Christian country band in Nashville, you know, which is really difficult, too, because people would be like, oh, my God, you got to, you know, live in Nashville for like three months on a job. I'm like, yeah, I go, but I lived in a hotel room for three months. Every single person at that hotel knew who I was. They're like, you're still here. I'm like, yep. And the thing was, is I would work from like nine in the morning till like nine or 10 at night. I didn't have anywhere to go eat. I ate every single night in the hotel. <laughs> it was kind of not sad, but like, you know, it was, it's not easy being away from my wife and family. And, and uh, yes, it can be fun, but it it's, it, it takes a certain person. I think that was why Jared, you know, when he asked me to go on tours and stuff, he knew that I'd been in bands and things like that. And you need to have someone that can handle living like that. You know, you live in a tiny, you live in a bus and you're living in, a, you know, just this little bunk. You got to have someone who's not going to freak out about it or like also freak out about who you're with. You know, like if you're acting weird around celebrities, they're not going to want to be around you, you know? And we, it was actually funny. Me and Jared, like we had a moment where we were kind of like not clashing, but like he was micromanaging. Right. And he was kind of like, wow, this shot and this shot, I don't know. You know, and, and he had to go do a, um, a photo shoot, I think. And I just said, look, man, go do your photo shoot. Let me do what I do. Let me figure out the scene. Cause like, you know, like we just talked about, it's like, sometimes you got to sit with it and figure it out. I'm like, go do your thing. When you come back in like three hours or something, if it's not where you want it to be, then we can keep moving on. And he was like, okay, fine. Cause he was just getting frustrated, you know? And that's, that's, 
hard on the editor where, you know, when you feel the tension in the room, you get kind of get hot. You're just like, Oh God. <laughs> so, and that's not easy to, for me to tell the guy who basically hired me, you know, like, leave me alone. <laughs> and he went away and he came back and he was like, you got it done. And at that point he learned to trust my instincts and we relaxed around each other and then it was totally cool. And he would do, and he's one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. That dude does not stop. He writes music for the band. He, he would call up the label and be like, how many tickets do we sell? What else can we do to sell more? You know, I'm like, dude, just nonstop. So it kind of was great for both of us. Cause it let me, you know, work on the pieces and sometimes things don't work. And so when someone's sitting over your shoulder watching, you're like, well, that's not right yet. Hold on. You know? And so it just takes longer. So being able to actually take my time with it myself, let him do his thing and take care of like any side project things he had to take care of. He also had to make sure his voice was good for the night. He had to do warm ups, and you know? So it was, I think, again, that comes with experience. I would never would have done that with right. <laughs> any artist when I was young. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, you have to learn to trust yourself. That's huge, man. That's, that's great stories. And it's, a, I think, great segue now to, uh, you know, you talking about uh, traveling on a tour bus uh, with 30 Seconds to Mars. Now talking about what drives us about bands traveling in the van across the country. Uh, what drives us now available on the Coda Collection, which, by the way, that's an awesome... Uh, channel, right? Uh, I I I started going that rabbit hole, man. Clicking on all those concert films and everything, and I was like, I gotta stop because I'm gonna be here all day. Oh, yeah. It's so many, it's so cool. Uh, but congrats, man! Again, a great, amazing film. Talk to us about how this project came to be, how you got hired on it, uh, those early stages in in prepping for this project, and maybe some of those initial conversations you had yeah. with other creatives on this documentary. So um, at that point, I was freelance. All right. And I still am, but I had just gone freelance uh, earlier in 20, I guess 2019. I just gone freelance. I had been working at different studios and whatnot. And I just come back into being freelance again. And I was working on a movie that I actually hunted after for like seven years. Um, and we were finishing, it was the Christmas time. And so we were, basically we're rapping and um the previous let me sorry let me back up a little bit the previous summer i had worked on a skateboard documentary in los angeles and there's a company called therapy studios they've been around for a long time and i love the work they do and a lot of my editor friends that i grew up with coming up you know in the uh in the industry work there Ken Mao, Lenny Messina, you know, and, and a lot of editors that I really respect Doobie, like he's just incredible. He just did a movie monster hunter. Um, you know, he, he's just incredible. And, um, and all those guys at therapy are just really cool. They've done, they did sound city, they did sonic highways. Um, so they work with Dave a lot. And I had met with therapy. Like I said, I was in Los Angeles working on a skateboard doc film And I was just, I've stayed in contact with them and kind of tried over the years to be a part of their crew and it just never worked out. And like, so I reached out, you know, I, I don't stop until I kind of get what I want. And so I just kept at it and kept at it. And 
they, you know, John Ramsey had a meeting with me and, and he was like, yeah, man, let's do it. You know? And, and he, he said that he would represent me as an editor on their, on their company site. And I was thrilled. Like it's, it's a company that I wanted to be with for probably like 10, 12 years. And, uh, just never worked out. And so, like I said, then I went home, I was working on this movie, Echo Boomers, and he called me and it was the first project he offered me. And he's like, Hey, he's like, do you want to come out and work on this movie with Dave Grohl? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And so the one caveat that he said, there was two caveats. He's like, you have to cut it here in Los Angeles. I was like, okay, no problem. He said, the second one is you have to edit on DaVinci Resolve Edit. And I was like, you know, what's funny. I go, I actually taught myself Da Vinci because I had been hearing about Da Vinci edit more and more and more. And I, and I know now if you hear it enough, it's going to come into play somewhere. And that was like what happened with premiere. I never heard about really premiere. It was always a smaller kind of like editing tool. And then once final seven was kind of like one final seven went from seven to 10 and they, it just like totally like just shit the bed. Um, Premiere like was it. Everybody was editing on Premiere. And I was like, oh shit. So I taught myself how to edit on Premiere. And I've been hearing about DaVinci as well. So I was like, well, here's another one. And I, I think it's important to stay up on, you know, current um, tools, you know. Um, I, I am a firm not firm believer, but I, I, I am a, I like being an artist of one thing, you know, a lot of times, especially in commercial and music videos or whatnot, they're like, Hey, can you color it? Can you do the visual effects? Can you sound design it, edit it for $2,000, you know? And you're like, Oh my God. Um, so, but so, and that's what Da Vinci is really great at is that you're able to go fusion fair light, you know, and obviously color is what they're known for really. But um, so I, I taught myself how to use it and, you know, it's just a, another tool, right? It's like, it doesn't take long. It's like, if you know it, it's really about what you have as an editor inside, you know, your gut instinct should be your experience is what, you know, uh, makes you who you are, you know, it's just Da Vinci, Avid, they're just different you know, paintbrushes, you know? And, um, so it was really cool. I I taught myself. And so I was like, no problem, man, I can do it. You know, I taught myself, I'm not super, you know, in it. I don't, you know, know everything, but, um, I, I know the, I did a project with it, you know, I, I cut a little project with it. So I know the ins and outs. Great. So I, uh, you know, <laughs> thankfully my wife understands, but you know, I flew out once again, leaving her by herself and I went to Los Angeles and, um, yeah, we just, you know, started working away. I, I went to the studio and, and actually Dave, Dave's office, he changed it into an editing suite for me. So, you know, I came in and, you know, and then my assistant, Brandon Ballen was there and he'd already been there for a while. They'd already been shooting interviews. So he went ahead and got it all together. And, you know, the one thing that was really great was that um, this is a full 4K or not, I don't say full 4K, but it's a raw workflow. 
So all the cameras were 4K and 6K, no transcodes. And I've always been like, I've always heard that, you know, it's like when the people are like, oh, you can edit, you know, raw. And it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> it always, you always need a transcode, right? And so they were like, it's all raw. And I was like, oh no, but it worked. And especially with documentary, because you got two, three cameras rolling. And then in my sequence, you know, I got, you know, clips, you know, merged clips that are like, you know, you're like, holy cow, it all flows seamlessly. That blew my mind, you know, like to actually have everything working fluidly. Um, so kudos to Black Magic and those guys. And and they were great too, because they would actually come to the studio and be like, look, whatever you need, let me know. I, I was actually beta testing 16 and I helped them with changes for 17 and um but they would be like look if there's something that isn't working for you let us know and we'll have our programmers change it wow <laughs> like, i was just like jeez i've never had this yeah. before. <laughs> that's what you need man you know? we got you covered <laughs> yeah. was, i mean what an amazing crew you know what i mean like they they were just jim rota and black magic and john ramsey and therapy like uh, and Dave, I mean, like just as nice of a person as can be. So it, it, it's, you know, they, they brought me on and then we just started working away and I just started working on the um, selects. And so for me, what I do is I go through all the interviews and I make all my selects and I put markers with the questions and, you know, and then I also created um, real selects. So I did reels one, two, and three, and I made these little pods in there with like, you know, uh, growing up with a musical family or my first tour experience. And so I would put all the selects from all the artists. If they said anything about, you know, my first tour or, you know, my first van I had. So I would separate those and it kind of was chronological because of like, you know, you start when you're young and, you know, your first instrument, your first band you played in. So I kind of built it. That would be my first act, you know, anything when they were kids and stuff. And then, you know, as they got older and like, hey, we're still touring. Like I had a, a little pod called Still Touring. So X is in there and talking about how they have two vans now, you know. And um, so I, I, I really took the time to I think I think that is what can also make you a fast editor is, is your pre-work. Right. The more detailed you are the quicker you can find it, you know, or it's like, I knew exactly. It's like, okay, well I'm in real too. Like here, here's all those little, and I could just shift between all the questions on my timeline and I could just jet in between all those things with my markers and, and figure out, Oh, this is the section I, I was looking for. And I've got Ben Harper. I've got Ringo saying, you know, whatever, farting in the band. You that know? was great, man. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Select bid right there. Cause that... yeah, yeah, a little pause, farting yeah, in the yeah. band, you know? Like, that was awesome. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, those are the fun ones, you know, you know, and you're like, then you have the ones where more like addiction, you know, <laughs> like not as, but it, in, in, you know, incredibly important, you know? And, um, so that's that's kind of how it all came together. Like it was literally just call me, ask me if I wanted to come out. I said absolutely. I, everybody always assumed that I would work with Dave at some point, you know, because I would always say we look alike. And uh, so 
I'm like, yeah, whatever. Cool. And, and it was great, you know, and it was, I, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Yeah. I think I saw a picture of you one time and I'm like, is that Dave Grohl? And it was you. And like you guys do look alike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great because he did. I was afraid how, because everybody at the studio, you know, even some of the banners, they're like, has Dave seen you yet? And I'm like, no. And so I was a little worried that maybe it would just be awkward, but he didn't see it. And he was just like, what? No. And I was like, great. Great. Cool. Move on. <laughs> like, yeah. Like moving yeah, on, you yeah. know? And, and so it was just great. We just, uh, we hit it off and, and we just started going. And then, you know, and this is about, you know, it started out, Dave had this idea like many, many years ago. Um, and it just so happened to be now that we were able to make it happen. And, and then COVID hit and, you know, we, they wanted the movie much earlier. And so with COVID in a weird way, it actually helped me tremendously because it gave me much more time, you know? So I was able to actually spend many, many, many more months on, on the film than I probably would have gotten otherwise. Um, so it was a benefit, you know, from, from such a horrible situation. Um, and I was able to go home and spend time with my wife, you know, being that I wasn't in the studio anymore. It was just like, come home. And I was like, you know, I think we can, but it also weirdly enough forced me then to upgrade all my equipment at home because I was working on a four and six K raw workflow. I had an old monitor. I had an old iMac. I had to get all new gear. And um, so, and it was funny too, because it was COVID. I had, to, I had like a crappy like chair at home. You couldn't find anything. I had to get a new chair. And I couldn't find <laughs> exactly. a chair. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. I was just like, what? I had to buy like a video game chair. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you do what you have to do, you know, and, and, uh, but it really, uh, it was, it was a, a blessing that we were able to do the raw workflow because we didn't have that time taken away from us for transcodes. Like do you, on, on some of the shows, have you guys been doing, it's probably all transcoded. Yeah. We get all transcoded footage. So you're working with DNX 36. You're working on Avid. You work yeah, on Avid mostly. Avid, uh-huh. Yeah. But it's really cool to hear that you cut what drives us on DaVinci Resolve. I actually took a class on it uh, right when the pandemic hit last year. Uh, it's a great program. Uh, you know, something about that really, to me, uh, that I loved about what drives us is the way that th these iconic musical artists are humanized, right? I mean, I think even from, from like the get-go, right at the beginning where Dave asks them, what's your name and where you're from? Like that, that moment on, you know, the fact that they just say like where the towns are from, I was like, wow, like I'm just, I see them. It's like, wow, it's, it's, that's the edge. But like the edge is talking about like he came from this town outside of Dublin, right? Where he used to make explosives. And, uh, and it's just me, which just kind of just humanized really the artists. And then from hearing their stories on about traveling in a van across the the country um it just made me i mean you know feel like they're just normal people right they're not it's not like these like like i said rock you know legends that we you know we would admiring their music now for years right but how did the story kind of come about i mean like were you did you have discussions with dave about this or did it just kind of come as you know as you went along with the edit these things just kind of popped little nuggets just kind of popped up that maybe were interesting and how did the story develop well i mean 
the humanizing part, right? You just talk, I mean, like that was something me and Dave talked about. Like, he, you know, he wants to, he really wants to inspire kids to play music, you know, um, especially in the age, you know, of American Idol, instant fame, YouTube kind of thing. You know, he really believes he's like, man, you got to put in the hours. You got to, you can't just, entertain 80,000 people without knowing what it takes to entertain 50 people in a shitty club, you know? And so, you know, we definitely had those discussions and, and I mean, the way that it went about really was I just put together, you know, the pieces that I saw and, you know, and it was just a rough layout, you know, and, and you know, sent him kind of like the rough layout of what I was seeing um, as I think my first cut was probably like around hour 45 or something. And, um, but it, again, it was, it was understood that it wasn't even a rough cut at that point. It was just more of a, here's some stuff that we have, you know, I'm, I'm laying it out in a story pattern, but like, you know, they wanted it kind of quick, you know? And so it was, I made it pretty clear. I, I was like, this is just a layout. This, I wouldn't even call it a rough cut. You know what I mean? And they really liked it. And he really liked some of the pieces that were there. And he was like, I can see it. He's like, I'm so happy. He's like, I was actually a little worried. He's like, maybe this isn't that interesting of a story, you know, but I think every documentary, every film, but especially documentaries, they start one way and then organically through the interviews and all those things create a much bigger picture or could be even a smaller picture, I guess, but um and that's what happened with this is that it started out about, you know, bands getting in vans and getting on the road and touring. But then it became about like, you know, what makes somebody give up everything to follow a dream, you know, when, it, when it's not, you know, there's no answer if it's going to work or not. Um, and now, I, you know, I came up with the title, What Drives Us. And because we were just calling it band doc <laughs> and uh, which I loved as well. But I thought the double meaning really, you know, it's, it's like, what does drive somebody to, to get into it? You know, a stinky van with your friends, you know, and you know, it's, it's, it is like my career, like your, I think any artist's career, it's like, you know, what makes somebody, I was always told like, you know, oh, you should probably get into business. You know what I mean? That's a safe way to do it, you know? And, and, but like, I, I could never do it. I always, you know, I just went for it and <laughs> suffered a long time, learned how to live on $7 a week. And like, I moved to Los Angeles, you know, Del Taco Tuesday was like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> you got three tacos for 99 cents. Awesome. Great deal. I'm like, yes, I'm living. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I just did what I, I mean, I didn't even have a car when I first moved to Los Angeles. I had a bike. And so I would bike ride from Hollywood to Santa Monica for my interviews uh, or take a bus. And uh, if you've ever taken a bus in Los Angeles, good Lord. Oof, that is a journey in itself. Um, you know, it, it's, we all suffer for our art. Right. And, and so I, that's where I definitely, you know, not only music wise that I connect to this film from playing in some small bands, I never did anything great, but I connect to it from the dream part of it, you know, like, I don't know. There was just something in me that, 
I just had to go for it. And, and I think, you know, that's like yourself, like, you know, and, and you know, it, it just, you either have it or you don't, and you're willing to do it. I mean, I walk dogs. I've, you know, for my editors, I picked up laundry, you know, like I did whatever it, I needed to do to get to the next part, to be an editor. I didn't care. I cut acting reels. I cut fucking, you know, I think there was like a, um, uh, hair and makeup reel, like whatever it was, I did it to learn more about what I wanted to do. And it was hugely important. I mean, like that to me, that's what it's all about is just putting the time and effort in. And that's what all of these artists did. I mean, of course you have your natural talent, you know, but it's incredible to hear the edge say we sucked. <laughs> yeah. We <were> terrible. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you think that they started so young, you know, and it's like, yeah, of course you sucked. You of know, course, it's yeah, like it makes they it worse. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, it, and I think that, that is the, that is the, the whole thing of it. It's like, you know, we, nobody just starts out like amazing, you know, it's like, you got to suck to, to then go, Oh my God, I did it. I, I, fucking, I was able to play that song or I was able to cut that scene. Like it just, it's yeah. It, and that's what we really, 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 I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to craft those moments and, I mean, as you can imagine, I mean, Dave has the most amazing roster of friends, list of friends that like they say the most amazing things. I mean, Annie Clark from St. Vincent. Oh, my God. Just an amazing human being, you know, and again, started when she was super young, you know, they all. And that was one thing that, you know, we talked about in the film and, you know, Dave talked about it's like you know, there's a point in your life between like 11 and let's say 13 or 14 where you really start figuring out who you want to be maybe. And that kind of seems like that was it for all these people. Like Annie, I think was like 12 or something like that, you know, like flee, you know, like all these people like started to figure out like, this is what I want to do. And because life can derail you, you know, but they were very fortunate and that they were able to continue that journey. I mean, Dave left, Dave dropped out of high school and his mom's a teacher to follow his dream. I mean, that's not easy, you know, but she, she understood the passion he had for it. And, you know, my mom did the same thing. Like my mom used to always yell at me to go outside, <laughs> like go outside, quit watching TV. And now I can be like, look, I was just studying. <laughs> No, I mean, certainly, but that's the thing, that, and that's, I agree with you, and that's the same reason I also connected with this with film, because it's something that, especially through this Hollywood Editing Mentor program, is that I talk about a lot, it's it's, this, it's to pursue your dreams, and, and, and in order to do so, sometimes we have to, you know, let go of what we, was ingrained in our, in our heads, maybe by either, you know, society or our parents, and, and nothing against anyone, right? I mean, it's just, it's what we're taught from a young age, and, and what we're not taught sometimes, is like you said, it's not following our dreams. And it is that also that fear of the unknown. Uh, you probably are going to go through some hard times, right? It was, it's not easy. I mean, and that applies not only to, to rock stars, but again, to, to us, uh, any artist, right? I mean, I, I certainly went through it. And look, I, it was this self-imposed fear that I had for a long time to not follow my dreams until I finally went for it. And I realized, oh my God, I'm fine. 
And it was the best experience. I mean, me living in, in, in the East Coast in a basement, you know, in Jersey, and then going to work in Manhattan. I had two jobs. You know, I started at 9 a.m. and finished the next day, like almost at 6 a.m. I used to work in Times Square. You know, we'd walk across Times Square at 6 in the morning, pick up a slice of pizza. I was dead tired. I was exhausted. But let me tell you, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but th- th- those were some of the most exciting times I- in my life. And I-, I learned so much from it. I grew so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, same kind of thing. I was, I was, I got a job. Somebody asked me to cut this thing uh, for a horse racing channel. I was like, horse racing? Okay. And it was out here in California. And, but it was, you had to start early. I think I had started like six in the morning or something like that. So I would, and you're in a trailer on the grounds and I didn't know anything about a horse racing. I was like, what? And it, to be honest, it was a terrible job, but the moments where I would get there early in the morning and the horses were coming out on the field, like to, to like get practice. Everything, it was kind of chilly, you know? And it was like, You'd see the 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 breath from the horses. It was so magical. And you just see them like trotting out onto the field. And you're just, I was like, I was so like just blown away. I, I was just, I would take time to just sit there and watch, you know, the horses and like, you know, I I felt like I was watching dailies for like, you know, some rubber red for movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that was worth it. You know, it was only a week-long job. So I wasn't, you know, stressed out about it, but it was like those it was an experience that i'm never gonna see the inside world of horse racing necessarily so that was a moment that i was like wow like you you know six in the morning walking you know it's like unless you had that you know where you worked all night and you got to come home you get to see time yeah that's an amazing yeah and that obviously you never forget yeah you never forget and 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 and, you know you grow from it you learn and you know, it just you gotta kind of. I I feel sometimes it's something it's worth living through because it could teach us a lot. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, hey, Dean. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Dave Grohl is. I think I consider him a, 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 an amazing, talented artist. I mean, the guy does everything. What What was it like just collaborating with with him? He probably was a monk in a previous life because yeah, he's like the coolest person. And, you know, it's like, I'm always afraid of like, you know, you see people and you're like, oh, I hope they're that cool and nice. And, you know, and you hear horror stories, but like Dave's exactly what, what you see. He is thoughtful, caring, super cool, so creative. Like there's a moment in the film where it talks about Black Flag and, you know, so it's Kira talking about Black Flag and Mike Watt and how it was, you know, in the early radio days. And we have Black Flag music. We had it in the cut, you know, and it was the, the proper time because they had previous, you know, members of Black Flag that didn't tour, didn't leave Los Angeles, but then they did. And but we couldn't get the rights for that music. So Dave was actually in Hawaii with his family um, for part of COVID. And I think we had texted and, and I said that and we had jumped in a call and I was like, yeah, man, we didn't get those black flag songs. He's like, okay. He's like, what, what two songs are they? And I told him what they were. He goes, okay, cool. I'm going to write some songs and I'll send it to you. I'll do it tonight. And I was like, okay. And man, like an hour later, 
he sends me these two tracks that were amazing. And he was like, I wrote those in like 10 minutes. I'm like, dude, this is incredible. Like it was perfect, you know? And he's just that special where it's like, he loves it so much. Like every interview that he does, probably after they're done with the interview, he sits with them and still talks to them for like another 20, 30 minutes. Cause he's just as excited as like any kid would be, you know, to sit there and talk with the edge and what, like, and I think, I think it's a much uh, deeper connection because they're both at the same level, you know, where it's like, instead of a, a reporter necessarily asking the edge about life or whatever like that, Dave's on the same playing field. And I think that really, comes across i think i think you really see where they're they feel comfortable you know brian johnson doesn't connect i think probably as well you know what i mean like that dude's such a legend and they're just like he, he actually brought brian into the edit room oh uh-huh. and i was just like oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. and uh it's an incredible it's really really fun like i, I wasn't you know you're never sure when you meet certain celebrities how it's gonna go but I, I've been doing it long enough now, or you, you know how to work the room, right? You know how to make it comfortable, no matter what. But Dave just made it comfortable. And I think Dave's just fun, loves to have a good time, and was always just like, oh, that's rad. This is great. I love this part. Let's, let's, you know, work, you know, get more of that in there. And I will, you know, like the beginning and the ending, you know, he was like, I really want to build this moment, you know, and like, so we really worked. We had a completely different opening, you know, which happens all the time, but that the opening was not easy. And then I actually had him in the opening and he was like, I don't want to be in the open. Take me out. And it was a great piece, you know? And so I was like, damn it. Okay. But it actually turned out to be great because it gave me time to open up something else and give time to another piece. And, you know, it's, it's, that's what we do is we have to, it's a big puzzle and we have to figure out where the pieces fit. And sometimes, you know, mistakes are like, Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a fun moment, you know, where you're just like, it was unexpected and you're just like, Oh shit, I'm not going to command Z that. That's perfect. <laughs> it stays, you know? So it, it was, it was really great. Dave was always super supportive. And if I ever needed anything or, you know, we had an amazing research team. Um, you know, uh, this girl Shalonen was incredible. If I ever needed a photo or, you know, and like I, I, there was um, D.H. Playgro, the drummer for Dead Kennedys, he had a really bad addiction, you know. And and so there was a uh, a point where he had given us all these family photos and great pictures. and But I called up Shalonen and I said, you know, I, I kind of need a picture of him fucked up. I'm like, you know, I hate to ask, but do you, do you know if he has any? She's like, let me ask. And then he sent me that picture of him naked where he's all messed up. And then like, there was another one of him drinking. And then he sent the videos of him with the chili peppers and something like, I mean, it's an awkward question, but I feel I, I was like, it. I need it for this part. I mean, I, I can get around it. But it just made such a stronger impact when you see that, you know what I mean? And and again, that's how docs are, like instead of like a feature or TV, you know, where it's scripted out. I was always getting new stuff, 
you know, there was like photos that Dave um, got. Someone sent him pictures of him when he was 18 on his first European tour with his band Scream. He must have texted like 20 pictures to us, to me and the producers. And we were just like, holy cow, like they're incredible. And you really see that road life, him packing the van, him like with his buddies, you know, and so you had to get it in there. It's like, okay. And so then I had to change out pictures and then it's a domino effect. So then I, then that shifts other things first, you know, like it changed everything affects everything. As I said earlier, it's like everything matters. And so it's hard. Sometimes you gotta, you know, as they say, kill the babies, you know, or you gotta like get rid of stuff, but you know, it was great because sometimes I would be able to put in those new photos that Dave gave that would fit so much better to what he was saying. And then that picture then would go down somewhere else that fit better for what they were saying. You know, it, it all kind of just kept landing in, in really nice spots. No, man, the archival footage and all the pictures are, are just amazing. You know, uh, many times I was like, when when something would pop up, I'd be like, man, where'd you guys get this? I mean, just uh, amazing stuff. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I definitely cannot stress enough. Uh, everyone out there listening, go watch this. Go watch What Drives Us. It's now available uh, on the Coda Collection. Dean, I could talk to you forever, man. You have some great stories and, and, and you know, it's just good to, like I said, finally uh, get to chat with you. Uh, but I want to be respectful of your time have one more question then uh just you know some practical advice for people out there who want to be editors not only in you know say maybe music videos uh, uh music documentaries or concert films but just in general because it is kind of goes back to this conversation about following our dreams but some just practical advice for those out there seeking uh an editing career i've been asked by, you know, people here and there. And, and I even asked your advice at, at one point, you know, when we were talking quite a while ago. And I think the one thing to me is, you know, try to find out the style of editing that you want to do. If you, if you love doing action films, you love doing documentaries, if you love music videos, whatever the case may be. What I always tell people is look at the credits. Look at the production companies that are doing them, directors, producers, executive producers, um, editors, you know, and reach out to those people. You know, if it's a company like Therapy Studios, right? If you're like, man, this would be my dream. Reach out to them and say, hey, do you have an internship? You know, are you looking for a receptionist? You know, are you looking for, you know, a runner? Whatever the case may be, like, get your foot in the door and then try to learn from the other people there, the, the other editors or whatever it is. And maybe you'll figure out this isn't what I like to do, you know, but to me, one thing I've really learned over the years is ask, just try. You will be blown away at the response of some people because I had that happen to me. You know, I had somebody take a chance on me that was like, you know what, I'm going to let you cut my movie Nobody else wants you to cut it, but I want you to cut it. And, you know, I, I you just, you just got to go for it. And, and I think that is a big part of what, what drives us, you know, the film is about is just looking for what you want, going for it and never giving up. You know, it's like truly, truly like put your time in, you know, like I make lists all the time of things that I want to do. I try to do, I learned from somebody. It's like, there's daily lists, there's weekly lists, monthly lists that are goals. 
set yourself some goals and just be like, you know what? This week I got to hit up five directors that I want to work with. I'm going to reach out to David Lynch. I'm going to reach out to <laughs> Steven Spielberg, whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Danny Clinch, you know, like I've done that with Danny. That's actually how I got that job with Danny is I'd reached out to his production company and said, I want to work with Danny. He's amazing. I think we'd work well together. And I think it took probably like six years and then it came together and we did a Gary Clark Jr. video and we had a great time. And then he was like, Hey, you want to do this Pearl Jam film? And I was living in Chicago and he's in Jersey, but it all worked out because it was the Cubs. And so he's like, perfect synchronicity again. So it's like, I, I just think, you know what you gotta, it, it, will take time sometimes, you know, I didn't work with Danny for six years, you know, and, but I did Mark, me and Mark Pellington, you know, probably didn't same probably thing like six, seven years before he was like, I love what you did. And then when we actually worked together, just try it, you know, reach out to them, keep honing your craft, do whatever it takes, you know, to, to do those crap jobs. I mean, I've done so many terrible jobs. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's just what we do. That's how you learn. And then you learn, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dean, great. This was a great chat. Thanks again for doing this. Uh, I love talking to you, man. And I hope that uh, we could hang out sooner, honestly, like chat some more, have yeah. some drinks, maybe go to a <laughs> show. But uh, dude, thanks again. And, and, and congrats on not just what drives us, but all the amazing work that you've done. I know you're going to keep doing keep doing some amazing work. And, and where can see people go see some of your work? Yeah, uh, you can check out my work at deanedit.com. Uh, it has, you know, pieces of all the fun stuff, you know, commercials, music videos, mostly trailers, since I can't put up whole movies. But, <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, check it out. And I definitely, definitely hope we get a chance to work together one day. And I hope that we can definitely, sooner than that, get together and have a, have a drink or two. And <laughs> awesome. I'm looking definitely forward to that. Uh, Dean, uh, thank you very much, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. All right, brother. Thank you. Such a great conversation there with editor Dean Gonzalez. Really enjoyed hearing more about the awesome projects he's worked on, all those cool stories. And it was great to hear his advice on navigating a diverse editing career, as well as getting some insight into the editing of the documentary, What Drives Us. Thanks again for listening to episode 19 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Don't forget to share this episode with anyone that's looking to be inspired to follow their dreams and pursue their passions. And also don't forget to subscribe to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. It'll help this mentoring program reach the post-production community around the world. Thanks again for listening. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Stay safe, stay positive. Stay positive.